Welcome to The Application, the go-to, how-to podcast for higher education marketers. I'm your host, Allison Tercio, Assistant Vice President of Enrollment and Marketing at Siena College. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, this podcast is packed with practical tips and actionable advice to help you elevate your marketing game. In each snackable episode, we bring in experts to share their insights and experience on the topics that matter most to you. Got a question or idea you'd like us to cover? Email team at enrollify.org or reach out to me on Twitter or LinkedIn. The application is part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. And if you like this show, you'll definitely want to check out our other higher ed focused podcasts on admissions, tech, marketing, and more. They're packed with stories, ideas, and tools to help you be the best in your field. All right, it's time for the show. Today's episode is all about how higher ed marketers can play a role in improving equity in and access to education. My guest is Day Kibilds. Day is Strategy Director at Ology, focusing primarily on enrollment marketing. She's led enrollment and digital innovation work at Penn State, Cornell, and Western University in Canada. Welcome, Day. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this today. Yeah, me too. I know we're both really passionate about how marketers can make a difference in these things, equity and inclusion. Sometimes people think that marketing is just promoting and advertising, but there's really so much more we can do as marketers and play a role in this. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, In fact, uh, one of the things I really like to ask people just generally, if I ask you to name like the biggest barrier to higher education, what would you say? Information. Information. You got the right answer. <laughs> Most people say cost, right? And like they're they're not wrong. They're not wrong. But I think cost is too, but information first, because I think you have to yeah. understand how to approach any of it to get started, right? And that includes yep. understanding the cost. And really the cost thing is often an information barrier first before right. it's an actual um, financial barrier. That's right. I fully agree. It's a, it's definitely an information barrier, lack of understanding, not knowing where to start. All of that is content. And guess who's responsible for content? We are. Yeah. So it's a great opportunity. If you really want to make a difference, we're going to talk through that today. How can we as marketers make a difference here? Let's, let's jump in. Let's start with what does equity and access mean in the context of higher education marketing? Yeah. Um, I like to think about this very simply. And for me, it really means we have the power to make things understandable, right? When things are understandable, I see them as I can access it or most people can access them, right? There's, of course, a ton of other layers, especially when you think about accessibility as a field, like there's a ton there and there's really smart people working on that. But for me, it's foundational. It's can people understand it in their context with their background? with the resources that they have. And what are the ways higher education marketers can play a role in that? Yeah. So when most people think of marketing, as you were saying earlier, it's like advertising and images and, you know, all this kind of visual content, but there's also written content, right? And I'm not trying to discount visual content. Belonging is important. Being represented is important, but there's definitely more that we can do. 
our work as marketers often is the first exposure that a, a prospective student and their family has to our institution, right? It's, it's the very first thing they might see when they're not looking. Uh, our landing pages and that kind of front page EDU is, is the first page that they might land on when they Google or when they search for us. So I see our work as the front door. It's the front door to our institutions. And to me, the role that we play as marketers is that we get to open that door. We get to open the front door to help people kind of walk in. And this is why I deliberately really like to use the word access because you know the, I, I love a good like imagery metaphor. When you open doors, you're allowing access. And as marketers, we, know, we have the power, we have the knowledge, we have the expertise to use our skills, especially in writing, to open up these doors by simplifying our language and presenting information that is relevant and understandable. What are the challenges and opportunities in doing this kind of work? What are the things that marketers like us face in promoting equity and access? Yeah, so I would say definitely the greatest challenge is internal, right? Um, so let's specifically talk about like admissions and financial aid. <laughs> These two areas of institutions are governed by many, many policies for a reason. And so what I have encountered throughout my career and with all my clients is that there's usually separation between what a, a marketer can do that it sits in like the central comms office or the central marketing office and, you know, this untouchable, mysterious admission content and financial aid content, right? It's, it's, it's just all very siloed. So the challenge is to get, um, get, get access to that, um, kind of just to repeat the word, to be able to work with our enrollment partners to simplify the way that we're presenting the content and not what the things or the policies mean. A really interesting stat that I want to share, which is uh, when we think about these audiences that we're addressing and, and when we think about equity, I think very recently, according to NASPA, which is a student affairs association, they have a center for first-generation students. And it turns out that 56% of undergraduate students nationwide are first generation, which I think is just incredible. We're also seeing a shifting trend in ethnicity and uh, race, but primarily thinking about the Hispanic Latina population, um, that's increased the proportion of students that are his, of the Hispanic descent in K to 12 is increasing nationwide and white student, like students that are white decreasing. And so in California, especially it's already the majority. So when we think about these groups and we think about kind of language, we can, I, I think I can easily see, and I hope everybody can easily see how, how language plays a role here. When we use complicated language, students that don't have the context, they don't understand, right? Students that might have families that speak other languages at home, they don't understand. So our landscape is shifting. Access is, we open up the doors to all of these students that deserve to be at our institutions. I think you bring up another challenge too. Everybody has a different life experience, right? And mm -hmm. for me, I will say forthright, I always knew I was going to college. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even a question. I never had a question, am I or am I not going to college? It was just sort of known in my life, right? Mm -hmm. So that's my positionality in it. But that is not everybody. So I think mm -hmm. part of our responsibility as marketers is being able to understand 
other mm-hmm. lived experiences and other um, other perspectives so that we can speak to those people and not make assumptions based on That's our right. own experience. Yeah, definitely. You know, you talked about the internal struggles sometimes as being maybe a challenge and an opportunity, right? An opportunity to work with different departments on your campus in a new way, but a challenge because um, it's a new way of doing things. I think a lot of times there's expectations on our college campuses of putting the institution out first, mm-hmm. you know, like we, but we need to say all these 10 things about mm-hmm. the college on the front page of the website and in every ad and in this, but <laughs> how, how do we balance what the student needs to hear to be mm-hmm. able to open that door versus what the institution wants us to say? Yeah, um, I've actually been working on this quite extensively over the past couple of months because I, I'm in like an, an enrollment funnel state of mind. And basically, we can say everything that we need to say. We just don't need to say it all at the same time, mm-hmm. right? So I've been looking through the classic comp flows that we create, right? The that's the very top of the funnel. What information are we sharing when they submit an, a request for information form? What are we saying when they apply? What are we saying? What I have found across different institutions is that it's exactly what you said. There's these ten things. We just need to say them over and over and over. But I actually see this as, um, let's see if I can paint a picture for you. If you are looking at it from the top, right, or if if you can are able to zoom in. The very first thing we say is this very high level stuff, and it should answer the basic questions like, do you have my program? Like, where are you? What are you known for? Can I afford this? Very basic stuff. If they're interested, then you kind of go in deeper, another level, and then you give them a little bit more information about that. You might get specific about the student experience. You might get specific about whether that major they want has an honors option or not, et cetera. When once they, you know, maybe apply or somehow indicate interest, then you go even deeper. You talk about courses, you talk about professors, you talk about the specifics of the experience. The idea is that we create some sort of uh, journey where we understand what the answers are that they need in that moment to move on to the next step. And if we're able to do that, if you remember back to the very beginning, what does access mean? Access means we give them the information that is relevant at the point when they are looking for it and in a way that they understand it. Time for a pop quiz. What keywords does your website rank for? What doesn't it rank for that you think it should? What are a few opportunities you could be winning on if you just tweet some website copy on your .edu? Okay, how'd you do? Not great, that's okay, because our friends at DD Agency want to answer all of those questions for you, and then some. DD Agency is a higher ed-specific marketing technology agency that has conducted countless SEO audits for colleges and universities across the country. In these audits, they detail where you currently rank, what you could be ranking for, exactly how copies should be tweaked on web pages, and much more. If this sounds like something you could benefit from, give those folks a ping and be sure to mention that Enrollify sent you to claim a 10% discount on any of their SEO offerings. Head on over to enrollify.org slash DDASEO or simply follow the link in the show notes below that will guarantee you get a 10% discount off of your audit. Head on over to enrollify.org slash DDASEO to learn more. 
when we give them too much information, that's a barrier because we can't compute at all, right? So it's it's really about putting yourself in their shoes and doing student journey mapping, user stories, top tasks, that kind of work. So really centering what you're saying based on the student and not the institution is what I'm hearing. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I have been I have worked with many, many institutions, um, both as being a, a campus employee and now through Ology, uh, we work with many clients. And it truly is. We say what we want to say when we want to say it. There's a lot yes. of room for opportunity. <laughs> All right. So everyone listening, Day and I are giving you permission to not say everything about your school every time you're saying something. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. It, it just honestly, when we do that, we just sound like everybody else anyway. So by focusing on the student, I not that we need another reason to be trying to make our work help access and equity in education, but it makes us different. And differentiation is a real problem for marketers at higher ed yeah. institutions. Yeah, that's right. That's so let's right. talk a little bit more about creating content. What are yeah. your best tips for developing content that is inclusive, accessible, and representative of diverse student populations? You talked a little bit already about centering on the student and breaking it up into pieces, but but if you just had to give everyone a couple things to take away from this podcast, what would those tips be? I would look seriously at content strategy as a discipline. So it is a very already now well-established discipline that other industries are really using uh, to their advantage, like commerce and retail and um, all these other like banking and so on. And higher ed, it's still kind of novel. Like some of us do some of it, but really we stay in the content marketing realm. Uh, looking at content strategy as a discipline is where I would start. Um, so the foundation of content strategy is audience first, user first. That's, that's ideally where we would start. We would run tests on our sites. We would interview students in our target markets. Uh, but I'm not completely new to higher ed, so I know, one, there's usually no budget for this, no time. And uh, a lot of times internally, people just don't think it's necessary because we just know what we got to say it. We got to say it, right? So what I would try to, <laughs> what I would try to do is uh, some very basic stuff, like developing user stories. Or a user story is, you know, you essentially force yourself to put yourself in the shoes of the person that's receiving your content. So as a international student, I want to apply to business at your school, or I want to find the requirements uh, to the business program so I can apply to your school. That's a user story. When you approach creating content from something as simple as that, you can understand the different pieces of content that you would need to bring together onto one page, right? So they need to know material, they need to know deadlines, they need to know steps. Whereas our approach now is very siloed, where, you know, the the academic college owns the, the major content, admissions owns the requirements, financial aid owns that, and we just put that up. But if we started from the approach, from a content strategy approach like that, it would help a ton. Um, another classic tool in content strategy are the, the student journey maps, which we were just talking about. Uh, when you understand the full sequence of steps that have to happen, then you can understand what information you need to deliver at each point. And it is truly a journey. So if you if you hold back some of these information bits or pieces until they actually need it, you're informing and delighting and you're not overwhelming people. Then one of my, my favorite tools to use too is uh, an empathy map. So essentially it's, uh, 
you know, it's a grid with four different quadrants in it. You talk, you think about what people are thinking rationally, what they're feeling emotionally in their hearts, um, what else they're doing outside of the context of your institution and uh, where they're seeing information. So just knowing these four things, like centering yourself in that, you can understand not just the content you need to share, but maybe what channels you can share it in. If you understand the emotions that might be surfacing for them, you can think about your tone. You can think about how you speak and when you deliver good or bad news. And if you think about what else they might be doing, especially when we think about groups that are minority um, audiences that might have caregiving responsibilities that might have to work to support their families. When we think of, of that context, we might be more lenient with things like deadlines <laughs> and requirements and so on. So again, I cannot recommend content strategy enough um, from that perspective. The second thing I would say, so a that's, that's my ideal if your institution can invest. Now, I, I understand, maybe not. So here's my tip, my actual implementable tip. We get to play pretend. <laughs> Okay. All right. Choose a segment, you know, and, and look, look at your strategic plan. If you don't know what to choose, there's usually some enrollment goal in there. That's like increase X population by yep. X percent, right? Pick that maybe and pretend you are a student in that group. And here's a simple task I want you to try. Go to your website and pretend that you are trying to find the requirements to apply as a person in that group. Now, I have a master's degree in statistics. I, like scientifically, I know this <laughs> this does not stand, right? It's not scientifically sound, but it is honestly good enough to make progress because you'll start to notice um, quickly when things start falling apart on the website. I actually did this uh, exercise preparing for a talk that I gave last year, and I was pretending to be a Hispanic international student trying to apply to universities in the U.S., to study business. That was me 20 years ago. And I gave myself a simple task, which was what are the admission requirements? Like, what do I need as an international student trying to study business to apply? And I tried this at, on nine different websites, different types of institutions in the US. And the best case scenario was I had to click 12 times and look what? at 10. I know, try it. I had to click 12 times and look at 10 different pages Allison, 10 different pages, just to answer this one question. What are my requirements as an international student? That's one question of at least a dozen questions. So how many pages are we expecting students to sift through to just even understand step one, right? Right. Yeah. I, I love this idea of putting ourselves in their shoes because like I said earlier, you know, we're all coming from different backgrounds and experiences and positionalities. Yes. And this is what helps you um, lift that up and, and, and do that work. I, you know, every minute we get farther and farther away from our own undergraduate college search experience, right? So we can't yeah. even use, oh, well, when I went to college, this is what we did. You can't do that anymore. You really have to understand what it is right mm -hmm. now in this moment. And I think coming out of the pandemic, it has changed even more. So I oh, really, yeah. really love those, those ideas. How about measurement? How do we measure the impact that we're making on equity and access as higher ed marketers? Yeah. Um, this, there's always a measurement question and I love it yeah. because we need it. We need it to advocate for resources and, yes. you know, 
and say that this is the right way not to do that thing where we say everything about our college in the in the one single email right (laughs) we have to convince everybody yeah so if if we're going to think specific metrics um what i would look at are inquiries that have you know increased in inquiries from these segments that Mm -hmm. that you are targeting um, I would also look at applications started and applications submitted, right? This is the top of the funnel. These again, front door are the, if the front door is open, we should see an influx of students from these populations, at least starting the process. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so I would look there in terms of actual tangible metrics, uh, at the same time, this is one of those situations in which we kind of know something is wrong, but we can't prove that it's wrong until, you know, it, we we can demonstrate it. So cr- running a study where we do something like the exercise we just talked about more formally, uh, if you can do a focus group with a set of students and have them do this exercise and then kind of demonstrate how many pages it takes to click just to answer one question. Yeah that might be helpful and then do it again after you make some changes right so that is a way to measure it but uh really it's the right thing to do so you can just also go with that i know well yes (laughs) that's that's also true but i but i i love the way you answered this because i wanted to help our listeners hopefully think bigger than um web analytics you know what i mean it's tied to something bigger and i think you can see I suspect that we will see this help throughout the funnel. So I think a better informed student at the top of the funnel probably is more likely to enroll, right? As we go on, they're probably more likely to retain and graduate too, because Mm -hmm. we can play a role in how prepared they come for Mm -hmm. the transition to college as well. So we can get them in that front door, but I think we can play a role as hired marketers in the funnel of helping them along the way again using knowledge as power, information as power, and making sure that we're not taking for granted what students understand about the college admissions process and going to college. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it really, again, it goes back to this idea that they need the information that they need at the moment where they are, and they don't need anything more than that. And so our job is that it's to identify what that information is at each step, what's just enough to get them to take the next step. And it's important for us to think about the content itself, not just when we present it and how understandable it is. So it's relevancy and it's content that is actually understandable. Yeah, let's talk about that, especially you had brought up you had brought up before about language. And I think that yes. sometimes copywriting is an underrated skill oh, yeah. in marketing. And that plays a significant role here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So um, let me as a just a personal anecdote here. I, English is my second language. And I have had to take English language proficiency tests a dozen times in my life just to apply to things or be able to do things or get permanent residency here in Canada where I live and whatever, right? I speak English, but I have to prove it. <laughs> um, so despite proving it, uh, what happens in on the other side of admissions, I'm also an admission professional. I, I worked in enrollment for 11 years. When students don't understand something, what's our gut reaction? Well, they must not be proficient. They must not be reading the website. Oh, it must be because English is their second language. That's not it. That is not it. 
What is actually happening is a uh, reading level. It's a reading level comprehension issue. So about a decade ago, uh, the Nielsen Norman group really started to study this uh, in terms of like user experience on websites. And what came out of that study is that in order for people to be able to absorb and understand information quickly from in a digital format, ideally, the content has to be written at a seventh to eighth grade reading level. And that's the typical measure. That's the most common. It's not the only measure, but it's the most common. So when you tell somebody in a, in a university this, they're like, well, but we we're a college, be... <laughs> right? We want them to be prepared yeah. at, at 12th grade. We're, whatever, a, yeah, right? we're up here in the ivory <laughs> tower. Come join <laughs> us. Exactly. Okay. But okay. And again, how, how equitable and accessible does that sound? But, but you know, let's, let's continue this line of thought. So, okay. If you think of any, any novel that is popular, like the last book you bought out of impulse when you went to the bookstore, I guarantee or 90% chance that this book is written at a seventh to eighth grade reading level. And if you go to Amazon or Spotify or your favorite website or your news site, every news article you've ever read, probably written at a seventh, eighth grade reading level. And the reason is, this is the, this is the level that we are comfortable. Most people at a you know, standard level of literacy are comfortable with in order to absorb information and also to understand enough, again, this word understand, to be able to take the steps you want them to take. If you don't believe me, go to Nielsen Norman Group, look at all the studies they've done, task completion, people, even people with PhDs perform better on websites and do what you want them to do when it's written at seventh to eighth grade reading level. Now, um, I want you to try this. Go to your website, pick any page in the financial aid section or any page like admission requirements section and try to figure out what the reading level is it is most likely not going to be seventh to eighth grade. Mm. So what happens is, you know, we sit back internally and like you said, well, they should be able to figure it out, right? But now let's think about equity and access. Who does figure it out? Well, it's the students yeah. who have the support have system. Have the resources. Yeah. yeah. The parents that went to college that have developed that greater level of literacy and are able to actually sit down and understand that information. And it's the, or it's the students that have, are going to well-funded school districts, right? That have teachers or counselors dedicated to helping them through this process, yep. or um, they can pay a tutor or an or, agent yes. or whatever. An right? independent counselor. Yes. That's right. Who doesn't make it? All the students that can't do that, yep. which is the students who are the students that we talk about when we're saying we're trying to be more equitable, we're trying to open up access, right? Yes. So we just need to get off this high horse. High horse. <laughs> we do. Yeah. <laughs> and we need to simplify, con we need to basically do what every other industry has already figured out and simplify content so people do what we want them to do on our websites. We can, it's gonna help us in terms of enrollment for every segment of all the populations you want, it's going to help, so it's gonna help numbers. It's going to help getting more tuition dollars. It's going to help in all the right ways for you to convince your higher ups that they should let you do this. But it's also morally the right thing to do for the students that just have no choice. And yeah. what ends up happening is they don't even try. Right. Yeah. So yeah. language is so important from that perspective. It really rings true. You hear on campuses all the time, things like what well, we told them 20 times yes. and they haven't do it. And 
I always think to myself, it's probably we're not telling them the right way because mm -hmm. I don't think all of the students have their heads buried and aren't listening. That's maybe mm -hmm. that's the case for a couple, but in general, they want mm -hmm. to be able to get through this process. Mm -hmm. It's just that we make it so darn hard. Oh, yeah. And simple sentences that we think are easy are just so complicated to understand. Um, you know, think about when we do our taxes every year. It's overwhelming because it's the language is complicated. The terms are yes. terms we're not familiar with, right? And we're only doing this once a year. For students, they're only doing this once in their life. Yes. Yes. And we do it every day. So, you know, why, why put the onus on them? Let's take it on. It's, it's really interesting that you've zeroed in on copywriting for me because I think most people, when they hear what role can marketing play in increasing equity and access and diverse representation, they go to visual, they go mm -hmm. to imagery, they go to showing more students of mm -hmm. color in our marketing mm -hmm. materials and things like that. But it feels to me like this is the bigger difference maker. Oh, yeah. It, I, I firmly believe that. I really do. All right. So last question then. What's the first step our listeners should take to start using marketing as a vehicle for equity and access? Like as soon as they're done with this episode and we wrap up, what should they go do? <laughs> I have a two-part first step or a three-part first step. <laughs> All right. Three steps it is, Day. Three steps it is. Okay. First step, accept that you have a role to play. Yes. So crucial. Own it. Celebrate Own it. it. Own it. That's right. Um, second step is, is homework. I want you to try two things. We talked about them. One is go to your admission website, play pretend. Yeah. Who are you going to be? Pick, pick a, a group, a population, a student that is close to you, a person, you know, navigate the website with that mindset and try to answer one simple question. Find the admission requirements to apply to whatever major you want. Keep track of how many clicks, how many pages just to answer that one question and then think, multiply that by the 12, 15, 20 questions that they actually have. Understand the magnitude of the issue. And then the third thing I want you to do is very specific. I want you to go to your website and look for the pages that give DACA students, so the, the children of undocumented immigrants, the dreamers, that give them their financial aid options. Go to those pages on your website. Copy copy the entire page and paste that in a, a reading level assessment website. There's a really good one, uh, the Hemingwayapp.com. It's free. It's amazing. Allison, you're nodding. So you I've know used, it. I've used it. Yes. Yes. So just copy the whole page and paste it in there and, you know, look at what it does. I've done this for some institutions and there's in particular a couple of Ivy leagues that I've done it for. And what comes back is a postgraduate reading level and blocks of red text, actual blocks of red text. And if you want to be metaphorical and, and, you know, if you want to use imagery, when you look back a little bit, that's an actual red brick wall that has been put up for these students to keep them out. Yeah. So do that. See what your content is looking like right now. Understand the magnitude of the issue. And from that discomfort, get the courage to take ownership and go to whoever you need to go to in your institution to start to make a difference. Most likely the students on the receiving side of this content don't have anyone to help them. 
But after this episode, you know who they could have? They can have you. Day, thank you so much for your insights and your steps, and especially for sharing your own story. <laughs> and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you found this information valuable, please subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with a friend or colleague who might also find it useful. It's when we all do this work together that we're really going to be able to make a difference. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.